0: Where's it coming from? Let's find out. the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher. With me tonight, I have Guy Merritt. He's an experiencer who has an absolutely fascinating and fact-filled tale about an experience he had with a giant UFO back in the 1990s. Guy, good to see you again.
1: It's good to see you, kiddo. It's nice to see you.
0: Well, why don't you you start wherever you want and go however you want to all right. get all the stuff in here? I I recorded him once before, Kendra and I recorded him, but then he got some interesting facts. Yeah, uh, things, about a couple weeks later. Yeah, so things, right
1: after we recorded things, things just got weirder and weirder. And I mean, you know, I got some got some facts that were, you know, the to you and I both seemed important and therefore we decided to do kind of do a makeover here. So if I refer to the previous recording, it's unavailable to the public, but something that we did and then decided to maybe redo. So it's odd to go through it again, but, uh, but I think it's worthwhile that we did it Yeah, and some of this stuff. So, well, the, the story is this, and the story is that, in 1994, in March, in Michigan, there had been a there was a spate of UFO sightings over on the west side of the state. Uh, well, to the best of my knowledge, it was on the west side of the state. It was near a city called Holland, in Michigan, and uh, UFOs had been seen flying over Lake Michigan, kind of buzzing around the city of Holland and some other communities in that area. I lived in Flint, which is in the southeast corner of uh, Michigan, but. Uh, this had happened, there'd been so many of these, they'd been tracked by National Weather Service radar. uh, They'd been seen by pillars of the community. I've read a lot of articles, you know, know, the police, you know, clergy, I mean, you name it, just, you know, everybody in the community had seen these darn things. So it actually made the national news, which is unusual, as you know, uh, mainstream news kind of shies away from anything like this. But there was so much supporting evidence that they couldn't not talk about it. And back then, I did not follow UFO stuff as a hobby or anything. I, I just watched the news back then, which I rarely do now. I kind of watch independent media, but you know, on like you know CBS Evening News and ABC World News Tonight, this was reported. You know that people had seen these UFOs, which was pretty wild. You know, I didn't think that much about it. It was out, again, it was on the west west side of the state unlike Michigan and I lived in the southeast part of the state kind of Flint is about I don't know 60 miles northwest of uh, Detroit and you know so we were quite away from that I I didn't know of anything in our area but March 17th uh, back then I uh, lived in Genesee Michigan was it's a suburb of Flint the northeast corner and I had a, a crappy day job. I'd kind of fallen out of, I usually had a good job, but I'd fallen between the cracks and I'd taken a temp job in a factory about 50 miles south of Flint. And I also played keyboards in a band. And uh, I was playing uh, at the time at a um, at a bar out in Imlay City, which is about 35, 40 miles east of Flint on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So on, on Thursday, March 17th, I was walking out of the house to go play this gig with this band. And uh, my dog is whining here. Um, and I was, as I walked out of the house, I looked down at an end table in our den, and somebody bought a newspaper. We didn't take the paper. I think my mom or my then wife had bought a paper, and I was surprised to see on the front page of the Flint Journal, there was an article. It was a, a, a transcript of a 911 call to the Flint Police Department and uh, this lady was describing this UFO, or this object, hovering above the house across the street. She lived in a crowded, you know, a congested, uh, you know, residential area in Flint. I stopped and read the article, and it said stuff like, you know, children crying in background, and she's, there was a transcript of her calling the police, that there was this big object hovering above the house across the street, and I was like, man, that's bizarre, and I'd never seen anything like that in a Flint journal, and you know that was my first clue that there were possibly UFOs around Flint. I was like, man, that's crazy and we got in a car to drive to this gig and I hopped on a freeway to go out to Mlay City and I will never forget I mean this 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 always I don't know this just always blows me away that I, I said to my then wife that that article shocked me you know I was like, damn, I wonder what was hovering." You know, she was describing something really odd. And I said to my then wife, as we we're driving on the freeway out to Emily City, I said, man, it'd be cool to see a UFO, you know, thinking, you know, a light off in the distance behaving oddly, you know, and not, not what happened. And, uh, you know, that was all that was about. And I went out and played this gig with this little band. And uh, Grove Home didn't get a lot of sleep. I must have slept like two hours. You know, I was I was younger. I was 41. And, uh, but anyway, I got a couple hours sleep. I had to be in new Hudson, which is down near Brighton, Michigan. For anybody familiar with the Michigan area, again, like I said, like about 50 miles South of Flint, 55 miles, something. And so I, I got up at like four 4 45 in the morning and just jumped in the car and hopped on uh, the freeway near us. I 69, which runs East and West. And then I went about five miles and then I hit I 75 and there's a cloverleaf. And I, Got on I seventy five to go south, and and where that happens in Flint, um, as you get on I seventy five, you immediately go up a little hill. Uh, it's, there's an overpass there. You go you go over Bristol Road, and uh, to your southwest, when you're up on that overpass, is Flint's Bishop International Airport, which is it's called Bishop International Airport, but I always I always add when I talk about it. I mean it's Flint. It's a, It was got, kind of, it's a smallish, it, it was and is a smallish airport. It wasn't, it's not like Detroit Metro where planes, I never seen, I think it was serviced by like Southwest or something, and that was it. And I never saw planes landing before like eight o'clock in the morning. I never saw them. I was on this overpass at probably like five o'clock in the morning exactly or something. And uh, I'd never seen any planes landing or really any activity at the airport there to my Again, as I said, as I looked to my right and down, there's the airport, you know, and south of the airport from the elevation of that overpass, I saw these two brilliant, really bright, white, like headlights, really low on the horizon south of the airport, some distance, but I could see them and I was like, wow, that's, that's a big plane. It must be landing. And my thought was, at that time of the morning, I thought, well, it must be a cargo plane or some unusual plane that's you know, I, like I said, I don't believe that the commercial flights landed at Bishop at that time in the morning. So, But I just thought it must be a cargo plane, but the lights were really bright and real low on the horizon. So what else could it be except a plane landing? So I came off the elevation of that overpass. And that area, when you came up, come off the overpass, it's an area of urban sprawl. And there's some buildings and I couldn't see those lights anymore. And right there by the airport, you're on I-70. I was on I-75 for all of, you know, maybe a half a mile. And the freeway splits right there next to the airport. You bear to the left to take I-75 to Detroit, or you bear to the right to take US-23 to the Ann Arbor area, or where I was going, again, was New Hudson, which is down near Brighton. To go to Brighton or Ann Arbor, you take US-23. So I bear to the right and took US-23, but it's still a heavily-traveled, you know, uh, interstate freeway. So there were cars. It's was the morning rush wasn't full on yet, but it was, you know, there were cars and, uh, I gotta get my dog. Sorry. Just a minute here. <laughs> come on there. I got a puppy that cries if I don't hold her. So <laughs> anyway, she, uh, she's a character, but so anyway, I come off this overpass and I couldn't see those lights and I got in US 23, bare to the right, and went south. And as you drive south in, on US 23 at that point, uh, you go a couple of miles. And there's to the your left, if you're going south, there's this huge mountain. It's a landfill where they've been uh, dumping trash for years. And the freeway makes a really sharp, well, almost 90-degree curve to the, what would it be, uh, the west for maybe... I don't know, a quarter of a mile, and then curves back to the south. And right when you hit that point, it becomes quite, uh, it suddenly becomes pretty uh, rural. It's It becomes farmland. And it was March, it was March the 18th of 1994. And, uh, you know, there are no leaves on the trees. And I could see those lights clearly as I made that first curve by the landfill. It was a ways away. They were a ways away, but... Probably at that point, I want to say like a mile maybe, but I could tell that whatever this thing was, it was not an airplane. Uh, these lights were shimmering and a very strange color of white, and the thing was crazy low. I mean, it appeared to me from when I made that first curve that it was hovering down by where I would be on the freeway when it curved back south. I mean, I could see where it was. It was uh, it appeared to be like maybe a couple hundred feet in the air if that and, and not moving And your mind just goes to, is this a helicopter? I mean, it didn't, the lights just, didn't, they were a strange color of white and kind of shimmering. And I started flying into a panic. It just, I mean, I couldn't imagine what could be, there's nothing out there uh, at that where that's added. Like again, like I said, it's farmland and uh, I started having a panic attack. I just I wanted to find one of those little things where you can... I, I passed a road called Grand Blank Road and an exit is there and I'd already passed that. And I was looking for one of those little things where you can turn around to, to to go the other way. I mean, I was that scared. I was looking for one of those... I couldn't find one of those things out to turn around. So anyway, when I finally started made this curve going south, now I'm kind of lined up with this thing. It's about a quarter of a mile in front of me. And it's, there's kind of like nothing there. I can see it. It's just, the thing is sitting just to the right. The nearest headlight of it is almost over the lanes I'm driving in. It's like right next to the freeway and it's insanely low. I mean, it's obviously, I'm like, is this thing, whatever it is, is it landing is what is going on here. And uh, as I approached the thing, I kept, having this thought, I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. I'm not supposed to be here. Like, you know, get away here. But my interpretation of it was, I'm not supposed to be here and whatever that, and I didn't know where that was. I mean, you know, a lot of things have happened since. And, uh, I think I was like being communicated with, I mean, this has taken me years and years decades to come to this. I mean, I kind of knew it, but, I didn't want to say it because it sounds so totally foo foo, and uh, you know, so, you know, strange. And it strikes people, you know, it's, this whole subject and topic is, you know, the butt of cement jokes in, you know, you know, many corners of society, and you know, but whatever. Anyway, enough apologies. I mean, I felt like it was telling me to get lost, and I had not seen the form of this thing because these lights were tremendously bright. I didn't want to get near it, but I had no choice. And there was traffic on the freeway. There were, I recall a truck being in front of me, like a a cube van or a some like a you know, like a rental truck. Eh, I don't think it was a semi, but and there were cars behind me. And and this thing had been there too for some time now because I saw it from three miles back, and nobody, nobody is even hitting their brakes. And here's this enormous object. They're not slowing down, nobody's nobody has pulled over, nobody's slowing down. And I'm like thinking, what is going on here? I mean, this is like, I think when, you know, you mentioned we'd recorded before and I said something like, I don't know how to, I cannot overstate the extent to which it would have been impossible to not see this. I talked to somebody not too long ago, and I don't recall who or where, or how it came up. And they said, well, you know, maybe people just didn't notice it. I mean, no, you'd, I'd have to take you out there and drive you down this road and say, I mean, there's no way you would not see this. the The, the lights on the side of it on, on the ends of this thing were so brilliant it was blinding, and it was huge. And they were the. I mean, you you could not. You could, it's not like you could drive by this and not see it. It's, it. It would be as if somebody. I think I said to you the last time we talked. It'd be if, if somebody on this piece of farmland, you know, built a replica of the Bellagio Casino out there, and you know, it was like no. There's no way you, you could just maybe not see this. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Right. So anyway, I, find, I don't know what it looks like really. All I can see is these balls. Of I get up to it. I slow way down, but I can't stop. You know, I, I I just, something won't let me stop, but I want to see what is this. And I was terrified. And it's literally hovering above a grove of trees. And it's almost touched the bottom of It's almost touching these trees. Right. So what's that? Maybe 125 feet in the air. And it's like, so I get underneath it, and it's got this bright reddish orange light. And I slowed way down, and it's blipping, and like a heartbeat, just blip, blip, and it lights it up. And what I what I see is it's this two hundred. I mean, I'm estimating, but I'd say two hundred by two hundred by two hundred foot equilateral triangle. And the bottom was striated or ribbed. It had a strange cross hatch pattern. I sent you a really bad graphic that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I watched a video years ago and I, you know, I've watched a million of them and I downloaded that one and I think I found that on YouTube and I found a way to download videos on YouTube and I, because I wanted a copy of that because uh, that's a fellow, I think and his girlfriend or wife in New York that had seen a UFO and had a crazy experience and that was a very good representation, although you know, the, the artistry wasn't great. The guy's not an artist, but that's what it looked like. It was this crosshatch pattern on the bottom, or a grate, or something. And I mean, this—I could have hit this thing with a rock, pretty much. I think. I mean, it was—I was way too close to this. Um. So I see what it is, and it's this utterly silent triangular craft that's felt huge to me to be that close to. Um, I've often—I've often mentioned that you know I've watched a lot of UFO stuff. It didn't it did not interfere like with my car's electrical system or anything like that. But when I saw that red light, I totally lost it. I mean, it scared me to death, man. And uh, I mean, I just could not figure what was, and I kept wondering too. I kept thinking, is this happening all over the world? Is this happening? Cause I thought, is this like an invasion? I mean, this is a freeway and there's all these people and it almost kind of end of the world sort of, Things I thought it was a uh, it, it had an apocalyptic or you know a uh, feel to me. I, I was like, this is this must be going on everywhere. And I just tromped on the gas and I went about a thousand yards. There's an exit, maybe an eighth of a mile beyond where this happened, and it's a, a road called Thompson Road. But that's there's no houses or anything. It's a very country ro- road, and there was no way I was going to get off. But I hit the brakes as I approached Thompson Road. That was a 1,000 yards, maybe 1,500 yards. And I looked back just like, did this just happen? Did I see what I saw? You know, he's just kind of trying to make sense of this. And when I looked back, those lights, I only saw these two brilliant white headlights. And uh, they, they were northerly facing like headlights. They weren't pointing down or anything you know, another thing too is that when i was under this thing i one thing that i note that i thought about shortly thereafter was these lights did not seem to be the white lights on the corners didn't seem to be throwing a beam uh they, they in other words when i looked up at that light which was right above my head pretty much it wasn't like a beam out in front of it you know it was like right i mean which you know physics you know i'm not, i've never taken a physics course but you know, photons and lights generally light up this crap ahead of them. And this wasn't doing that. Right. But now, when I looked back, this, the red orange light on the bottom of that thing, it was sitting there, I'm still there. And that orangish light, it was pulsating or blipping kind of. And it was lighting up the tops of those trees, you know, just, you know, you see the tops of the trees. And I'm like, and I really lost it. I mean, uh, you, you go through a process of, Almost like the, the seven stages. What's that, Kubler Ross? Like your yeah. depression. I'm like, you know, you're trying to tell yourself this can't be real. I look back and, uh, and you know, this thing's real, and it's still sitting there. And I, then I just floored it, and I passed like three exits, and I went to a, I went to the southern end of a town called Fenton, Michigan, and got off and ran into this convenience store gas station thing, and I walked in and I was like, there's this huge craft above. Above the freeway out there, you know, I was freaking out. You know, these people probably thought I was, you know, some mental case that had walked away from a group home or something. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, was, I was freaked. I was, I was, I was not okay. And I this is '94. I didn't have a cell phone. I, they had a payphone, and I, I tried to call my then wife. I, I mean, it's you know, why am I calling her? It's five o'clock in the morning. And uh, but and their phone was out of order. So I got back on the freeway and I just thought, man, I know the 35 miles to go. And I I was a wreck. I mean, as I said, I thought, is this like an invasion? Am I going to see more of these things? What's going on? You know, I mean, when I went under this thing, I was thinking even thoughts like, is this thing going to take me or something or what is this? You know, so I was scared driving. The rest of the way to work. And luckily, I drove to work and didn't see anything. And I had a real hard time working that day. And I was working on this line. It was a terrible job, paid bad, and the conditions were bad. It was a crappy temp job. I'd only been there about two and a half weeks, and I only worked another two weeks, but got a good job and quit. But I remember us working on a line and uh, got my first lesson. I'll never forget this. I'll just, that day is like this, this crazy time in my life that. I was trying to work, and I was working on this line, and you're, these cowlings are going by. We made parts for Ford, Deco Manufacturing. And I was trying to do my job and yapping about this thing. I couldn't stop talking about it. And this young black kid whirled around and said to me, man, you better stop talking about UFOs and start talking about God, man. You know." And, and I'm like, what is that about? You know, I was, I'm just trying to figure out what this is. And I was kind of raised in a home that we didn't, you know, we weren't religious and, you know, now I kind of understand it. I mean, uh, you know, if you've got a very, uh, uh, if you have a worldview that's very kind of set in stone, which a lot of religious people do, well, even, you know, myself, I had my own worldview and this kind of rattled that in a huge way and just seeing it. But, but, you know, and then on my first break, there were a couple of people talking about this thing in the cafeteria. I don't remember. I was a mess, and I remember babbling about it. And a young couple came up to me that worked there together. I was forty-one. These were kids, maybe twenty-one and twenty. It was a, it was a boyfriend and girlfriend that worked there together? Big, tall, blonde kid, bib over bib overalls, and looked like a farm kid. Didn't look like much would scare him. And He said, man, man, what was that thing? What was that thing? And and him and his girlfriend were all freaked out. And I I said, I don't know, man. It's some kind of UFO. I don't know what it was. I mean. And they
0: had seen it too, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, they'd seen it. They'd seen it and they were totally flipped. So some people saw it. You know, in retrospect, looking back on it, it seems like most of the people that worked there were from Flint. And it seemed like everybody should have saw it. I I don't know. I don't want to speculate. I just know they were the only ones I talked to. Some lady heard us and she chimed in and she said, oh, I've seen that before. That's the state police helicopter. And we looked at her like, what in a, what in the hell is she talking about? (laughs) I could hit this thing with a rock. It was an enormous triangular ship, you know, that, uh, I mean, and that's what they saw, these kids, you know, it was no helicopter. So, I mean, you know, who knows, maybe, I don't know. But anyway, so a little drink of coffee there. I uh, worked the day, and my thought all day was when I got home, this would, of course, be on the 6 o'clock evening news. And I live in the you know Eastern Time Zone where your local news is at 6 and 11. And I thought this will be on Channel 12, the local TV station, ABC affiliate. It'll be on 6, on a 6 o'clock news or the 11 o'clock news for sure. I get home and I watch, you know, watching with bated breath, of, you know, trying to thinking I'm going to hear this story about this huge ship. Six o'clock news, nothing. Eleven o'clock news, nothing. I couldn't believe it. So I ran in the morning. I woke up and I ran up to the gas station and bought a newspaper. And I was, I was absolutely certain well, it was going to be the newspaper, you know, because they'd had the sto- a story I told you about about a lady in Flint who'd seen a UFO. And this was even crazier. This thing was huge. It's sort over of a freeway. And there's nothing in the newspaper, nothing, absolutely nothing. And I was just stunned. I was like, you know, and I lived with my wife and two kids and my mom lived with us and they know I don't tell fish stories. I've had a very interesting career. I mean, prior to this time, I'd kind of switch gears in midlife. I started playing music professionally when I was 13. I mean, I mean, I was like, for a kid, I was rich when I was 13. My dad was an entrepreneur and They made me take organ lessons and he bought me a portable rig and put together a trio. He kind of put it together and he went and had business cards printed and he booked me at. I started playing at VFWs and American legions like every weekend when I was uh, like literally in the eighth grade, man, I was, I was doing great. I was, I can remember being in a homeroom one day and I'd played at a VFW and I was literally in the eighth grade in 1965 or six and we played at a VFW and, We'd been scheduled, we'd been booked to play till 11 and these BFW guys got all drunk and kept, you know, passing the hat. Play another hour, play another hour, play another hour. And I'd made like 140 bucks. I used a uh, a calculator. I was like, I, that that literally works out in today's dollars to something like $1,300 I'd made. And I was in a homeroom and there was a guy sitting next to me, Dave Le I'll never forget this guy. I guess I'm i going to say his name. I think it's all right. It's Dave Lepard. He's a nice guy and he's still around. And But uh but I said, Dave, Dave. I said, I said, man, I made 140 bucks last night, and and literally, I'll never forget the look on his face. Reminds me of this UFO stuff. He's just, just no affect at all. He just said, I don't believe you, and turned his head away, like, like, <laughs> like, 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 we're done here now. You know, like, <laughs> obviously fiction. That's impossible. And you know, and it reminds me of this UFO stuff. I often think. I swear to you of this guy, Dave in homeroom when I told him I'd made $140, which I did, but, <laughs> but I was a musician and, uh, ended up pl- starting playing clubs when I was 18, ended up being out in Las Vegas, met a lot of interesting, just by virtue of being in these casinos. I worked in, I mean, I'm, I literally met Joe Lewis. I met Muhammad Ali, uh, played in one place where Muhammad Ali was there for two weeks. We, and we were there for two weeks and, Cassius Clay Sr. would come up and sing with our band every night. Uh, you know, I I can't even list all, Engelbert Humperdinck, all the people I've hung out with and met. I was offered a job with Mickey Gillian when he was the hottest thing in country music. I was living in Houston and got a call. My point to this is not, oh, I'm a big deal or something. I just mean, I i have had an interesting life and I, I've, never, I've never needed to embellish my life with a cockamamie story. And uh, if I was going to make something up, It certainly would not be something about UFOs. So it's crazy. So, but I wanted to prove to my wife and my mother, I was in shock and I wanted to, I got off on a tangent here. You might want to edit all that out, but, uh, (laughs) but, but, you know, I was, I didn't need a story about spaceships. I mean, right? nobody does, man. This is, this isn't good. And I wanted to find some sort of way to show them
0: that you weren't crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I was upset. I wanted somebody to tell me what the hell this thing was. And I wanted to think I wasn't alone. And I'm like, what's going on? So there's nothing in the paper. So I decided I'm going to call a paper. So I call the Flint Journal. I get some guy and he seems disinterested and says, you know, puts me on a hold from, gives me to another guy who seems equally kind of dismissive and kind of disinterested. And I talk to the guy a little bit and I'm like, you know, you tell me nobody's called you, blah, blah, blah. And I, Told him a little bit about it, and he says, "Well, we haven't we haven't had any calls, but I'll take a report from you." He says, "What's your name?" You know, and this is 1994, and I'm thought I'm thinking if this dude has had nobody else call him with a report about UFOs, do I want him taking a report from me and sticking my name in a paper with a, a story about you know UFOs, the spaceships or whatever? And he answer was no. So I said to the guy, "You know what?" if I see something in the paper, you know, about this in the future, I will maybe get back with you and we can talk. You know, I think just, I'm going to drop this and uh, have a nice day and I'm getting off the phone. <laughs> Man, I, I didn't want to be the, the, the guy reporting this by himself, no. you know? So I hung up and I was still bugged. It was, it was bugging me like crazy. And, and, and all I could think was, I kept wondering, is that tower out at Bishop, because there's a tower in the middle of the airport's field about six six or eight stories high, it's real high, and I thought, I wonder if that's manned at that time of the morning, you know, so, and I wonder if I can call the airport and talk to the tower, and I figured I probably couldn't, but I thought I'd give it a shot, so I called the airport, and um, I I got a lady, and I said, you know, I saw something really strange in the sky, you know, yesterday morning, and I I just wondered if I could speak to the tower and with no fanfare nor objection at all. She said, yeah, just one moment. Like, like this was all standard procedure, right? When, there's a reason I mentioned, describe it that way. Cause I'll explain in a minute, but, and I get this guy who I'm assuming is an air traffic controller. She, she said, she's given me to the tower. Right. And, and I described to him what I asked him if they'd been in the tower at that time of the morning. He said, yeah, I was mad. He said, Absolutely. And I, I asked them if they'd seen this. And I, I assumed it would be too low for radar, but I figured there's no way they would not have seen this visually. That's impossible because I was just on an overpass. They're like six or eight stories in the air. And these lights were incredibly bright, even from that overpass. They, they would have had to have seen this and thought, what in the world is that? And his story was they'd seen nothing, they'd painted nothing on radar. And, you know, I described to him being close up with this huge triangular, well, very large triangular craft. And he started asking me questions like, could it have been a star? Could it have been a satellite? Could it have been a blimp? And, you know, I'm like, you know, I got exasperated with that line of questioning. He's trying to leave me down this, leave me in, you know, in the, he's suggesting these, these prosaic answers that don't comport whatsoever with what I've described to him. You know, obviously I'm not describing a star telling him this is, you know, he said, I'm ribbing on this ship. I stopped a guy and said, you know, you're an air traffic controller. Can I ask you a question? And he said, yeah. And I'll never forget this. This, you can put quotation marks around. This is like it literally happened yesterday. I said, you're an air traffic controller. Have you ever seen anything you couldn't explain? And he said, this is exactly what he said. He said, let's put it this way. Uncle Sam signs my paycheck. So if I did, I couldn't tell you. But here's a number for you to call. And I'm thinking, oh, well, this is great. What a, we had a great, this is, you know, I get my a real introduction to, like, government cover-ups. And I was never much of a conspiracy person. And I, I was a little suspicious of uh, the JFK assassination. But I wasn't, I wasn't some guy that was off into crazy conspiracy stuff. And, you know, I'm like, what a thing to say, you know. I mean, I, I give the guy credit. He was He was honest to that extent. And he gives me the number for MUFON, which I'd never heard of. It's, it's an acronym for the mutual UFO network, right? I'd never heard of it. Right. And you can call these guys and they may have, you know, they take, he told me this is a UFO reporting thing and that they might have information on this, you know, and it was an 800 number. And I think, you know, again, we've, we've already mentioned that we've spoken before and, uh, like I told you before, I, I'd never heard a MUFON. And I have this memory that I believe it was out on the West Coast. And I don't know why I've got that memory. But I do know this. I know that a number of years later, I found like Coast to Coast AM. And I heard this guy, Peter Davenport. And the minute I heard the guy talk, I thought, that's that dude I talked to on a phone. Now, was it? I don't know. But I, this guy had this real. He was very low key. I called the guy. And... uh he said that they'd not taken any reports of this uh, at their headquarters there on the West Coast. And uh, he'd not heard anything about it. And at one point he said to me, well, you know, it's something along the lines of it's no big deal. People see these all the time. And I was I was, I was like, well, it's it's a big deal to me. You know, my brains are, you know, gripping out my ears here, man. <laughs> I'm like, you know, he, you know, he was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's a big deal for me. OK, this right. I, I am like extremely stressed and rattled right now, man. You know, and then, and what he said to me was he said, uh, he said, do you live anywhere? He said, you're in Michigan. He said, do you live anywhere. And I told him I was in Flint. He said, is that anywhere near Flushing? And I said, yeah, it's real close. I said, I live in the northeast corner of in a suburb, kind of just barely northeast of Flint. And Flushing's a little commuter town on like the west side of Flint. Maybe six miles. I'm like maybe 10, 12 miles from Flint. It's, a, it's part of the metropolitan area almost of Flint. Yeah, I said, yeah, it's real close. So he said, well, you can call the state director of uh, M- MUFON for Michigan, Shirley Coin, right? And maybe she'll know something. So I hung the phone up, and, you know, I was becoming – I was getting to the point where I thought, well, my little mini investigation here is going nowhere. And I thought this is probably headed of nowhere either. I, I really – I was about to give up. I almost didn't call her. And I thought, well, I've gone this far, and you know, it was driving me crazy. So I thought I'll call a woman, and I was prepared for her to say, "Nope, we haven't heard anything." So I, I called her up, and uh, she she was very, kind of paternalized. Remi- reminded me of my mom, real friendly and sweet. And she said something like, "Oh, honey, no, you're not going crazy." She said, two ladies carpooling to a factory in Fenton, Lucas Sertek, the night before, like six out at like ten o'clock, like." That would be what, like, what, like six, seven hours before I I had this encounter. She's at the exact same spot, they drove their car under this thing, but but it was the exact same spot, but it was not to the right of the freeway. It was hovering. She said it was straddling both lanes of the freeway at the same spot. And so that was some confirmation. But then she added, which was bizarre, she said, and I didn't even know what to make of this. She, she On the phone, she said, They actually drove their car underneath it on their second pass going south. And she said that what had happened was they were driving south from Flint to go to Fenton to go to this factory, go to work, and that they suddenly, I mean, I don't even know how to, you know, explain this. And Well, all this stuff is crazy. She said that they suddenly kind of came to the awareness that they were, they'd been driving south from Flint to Fenton, and they realized they were suddenly going north. And, and they didn't know why. And, and they started laughing, she said, and she said, they were like, how in the heck did we, we're going North. What happened? You know? And she said they got off at an exit and turned around and on their second pass is when they drove under this thing. Right. And their perception was that this whole little detour had taken them five minutes and they got to work an hour late and you know, I'm thinking, what are we talking here? Missing time, alien abduction. You know, at that point in my life, I thought this was all malarkey. Or, I mean, I was, you know, I was pretty suspicious. I kind of wondered. I was like, okay, whatever, you know. But I was glad to get some corroboration, but this sounded way out. And she said, can, can I come to your house and take a report? And I said, yeah, sure. And her, I think on Sunday, her and another lady showed up at my house. You're there about an hour, and you fill out some forms that MUFON's got back then anyway. She asked me to try to draw it, and they ask you questions. And we sat around and talked, and at one point, uh, Shirley Coyne, very nice lady, she said to me, kind of, she said, you know I'm sad a lot because I have a son who's 16 or 17, and she said, I don't get to see him hardly at all. And (laughs) I wasn't prepared for where this was going. She She said that he lived aboard one of these craft, right? At which point I thought, "Is this lady copus mentis? Is she crazy? Is she what is she smoking? Is this you know? I don't know what to think of her at that point because this was so far out to me. I was like, huh. So, you know, I, I'll just say this: I didn't know then what I know now. You know, I'm not the same, right. I'm not the same person. And uh, but anyway. That really was kind of like, you know, when she said that, I was like, man, this stuff is all too weird. She told me about these ladies that got turned around and got to work an hour late. And she's got a kid that lives on a, what, a spaceship or UFOs. I'm like, come on. But anyway, i made a report. I thought I'd put some bookends on this. I'm going to forget about it as much as I can. Probably try to figure it out for the rest of my life. But I went to work this, so I sighting on a Friday, she came out on Sunday. I go to work on Monday, and I make it a point, particularly after that uh, exchange with that young guy that got really hostile with me. Actually, I just thought I'm not going to talk about this at all. I didn't tell anybody. I made a report. Didn't talk about UFOs. Just got through the day, and uh, I'd been at that job literally two or three weeks, and I literally had one person, one person in that factory. And this is this is the God's truth. I, there was one person. I knew on a first name basis, and it was a an African American woman named Carolyn, a black lady. She's really sweet and smart, and she had sung in bands. We had some things in common and got out of that. And she was singing. She went to a big uh, church in Flint and sang in the choir, and she was really involved in that and loved it. And uh just we were just good work buddies. We would do lunch together and uh, that kind of stuff. She's the only person I knew, and uh, I've I always joked that the. The gene pool at Deco Manufacturing was not particularly impressive. And (laughs) I'd like to think that her and I stuck out like sore thumbs. She just was real smart. And her husband worked at a plant in Flint. He worked at AC. She had two kids. For some reason, she had had to get a job down there like me, temporarily. You know, we both knew we weren't going to stay there. But, and we just hung together a little bit. And she was the only person I knew. And I did not see her on Friday when this when I saw this UFO, cause we would work in different departments, but I, and I didn't see her on Monday, Monday to bell goes off at the end of the day. And Carolyn comes running up to me and she looks her countenance. She just didn't look like herself. She looked terribly distressed. She looked freaked out. And she says, guy, guy, you, you got to call me after work. You got to call me after work. And I, you know, we didn't socialize outside of work. She gave me her phone number. I'd, I thought maybe she had some kind of family problem or I'd, I really did. I did not associate it with this UFO thing because, like, what? Why? Why would have I? Why would I need to call her after work? I mean, what? So it was kind of a mystery. And uh, you know, I drove home about forty-five minutes, gave it another half hour or so, and let her get home. And I called her up because she seemed really, really upset. And I call her on the phone. And hey, Carolyn, what's going on? What's 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 up? What do you need? And she said, and her response to me. <laughs> excuse me, was in the form of a a question. She, excuse me, I'm sorry. I need a slug of coffee here. I mean, I've been talking too much. I've been accused of that my whole life. <laughs> but I mean, it's a long, crazy story. But I said, Carolyn, what's going on? And she said, guy, guy, what does iron tomb mean? What does iron tomb mean? And I'm like, What does Iron Tim mean? And I'm like, what is what in the world? I said, Carolyn, what are you talking about? You know, I had no idea what this what she's on about, you know. And she just segued into this. She was really upset and she segued into this story. And what she told me, I made notes after I got off the phone. I was in my bedroom and I had a little notepad. And so I made contemporary contemporaneous notes. I remember exactly what she said to me. And she said, She said, well, last Friday when all you guys at the, you know, when some of you guys at the shop said you saw UFOs, she said, uh, said you saw UFOs. She said, Felicia and I were carpooling to work. And she said, we didn't see anything in the sky. She said, but she said, at one point we thought we hit black ice and black ice is uh, in the Midwest black. They call ice that you can't see on a road, black ice, you know? And she thought, she said, we thought we hit black ice. And she said, her full-size conversion van, she said, started spinning around. But she said, Guy, as it was spinning, it was going faster and faster and faster. And Felicia was asleep, but she woke up screaming, Don't hit the brakes, don't hit the brakes. And she said, Guy, I get sick on carnival rides, but as fast as we were spinning, I didn't even get nauseated. And she kept saying to me that she thought the lights, she saw the lights of the oncoming cars and she thought they were going to be hit by vehicles as they spun. And then at one point, she kind of lowered her voice and she was kind of crying and she said, but, guy, then I realized we were going up in the air. We were going up in the air. And I was like, what the hell is going on here, man? And she said, uh, "She at that point, she said something like they kind of blacked out or something. And the next thing she remembered, she said that her van was being pulled across the, the median as if there was a magnet behind it. And she said, she says, guy, we came to this violent stop. But I have all this stuff on shelves in my van, and nothing fell off the shelves, you know. And I was like, listening to this, and I'm like, what the hell? And and I I did write down exactly what she said. I'll never forget it. It's like like a movie almost in my mind. She said that the first one of them to speak was Felicia, the gal in the passenger seat, who I didn't know. And she said, but she said Felicia said, "Isn't God wonderful?" Almost like a religious experience. And Felicia said that she said, "Yes, He is," and. And Felicia then said, at least we'll be to work on time, you know.
0: <laughs>
1: and uh, they pulled back on the freeway. And I said to Carolyn, I said, you know, because this was ringing some bells with this. Mm-hmm. I said, which way were you going? She said, well, that's thing too. She said, we weren't really sure. And then we realized we were going north and we'd been going south. And I'm like, oh, man. And I said, where did you, she said they had to turn around to go south again. And I said, where did you turn around? go south and she said grand blank road which is which was the exit just north of where i'd seen this thing right and she said and she said and and two she said you know we'd left early that morning for some reason i don't know why she just said they'd left early she said we should have still been early because their perception was this had taken them like five minutes sorry my wife's phone went off and and she said when we got to work she said you were on the line everybody was on the line and we looked up and we were like an hour late we don't know why, and you know. So, you know, I'm hearing this, and I told her at that point. I said, "Well, you know, you know, you said you didn't see this thing," and I said, "I saw it." And I, I said, I made some calls, and I made this just reported this MUFON outfit. It's a thing that takes UFO reports, and this lady told me a story, kind of like, you know, kind of like what you're telling me. And it's two ladies again, carpooling to a factory not as far south as we were going, but, you know, on the same road, kind of the same scenario, It was totally bizarre. And of course, you know, Carolyn doesn't know these women. It's just totally bizarre that I'd heard, I'd heard these two stories from these two sets about these two sets of women, you know, one one set of whom I knew, Carolyn I knew anyway. And, you know, they're kind of mirror images of each other. Uh, Of course, with Carolyn, I got more details, but so I was confused to say the least, uh, kind of lost my train of thought. It's, uh, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know what to think. I talked to her. I mentioned that I made notes. I talked to her that week, I think two more times on the phone. I was kind of like her sounding board. She was kind of like melting down and I don't blame her. And, uh, I didn't make notes, but she had what You know, very typical, I know now, of abductions. She had fragmented memories Mm -hmm. of being on an examining table. And she said that she could see her reflection, as crazy as it sounds, in the eye of this, in the milky eye of this being. And she was really a mess. I was afraid she was literally going to end up, like, in a hospital or something, you know. I mean, she was not doing well. And so she tells me, as I said, we had our first conversation on Monday and I was pretty stunned and go to work on Tuesday. And, you know, the synchronicities right there, the synchronicities started in my life. I was married to a woman that from whom I'm now divorced and she never worked in our marriage. And she, we were for once in our lives, we were kind of scratching and she had gone down to this factory and she started there. I'm pretty sure on Tuesday too. She, she did. She wasn't with me on Monday. So on Tuesday, you know, she goes to work and she works on a line with Felicia, the gal who was in the passenger seat, who I don't know. They must have started talking. And apparently Felicia, uh, apparently I'm thinking that probably Carolyn told Felicia she'd talk to me. Felicia figures out Shelly's my wife. She knows that, that I know about this. And she talks to my wife during the day, right? We get done uh, with the, the work day. We're driving home, we get in a car, and Shelly says to me, she says, you're not going to believe what Felicia told me. And I'm thinking, like, man, what next? I really was. I was like, you know, where where is this going, man? You know, it's literally, I think I said, you know, that last when we recorded the first time, I was like, this is, my life suddenly became the twilight zone. I'm like, what is this going to be? <laughs> you know, I mean, glad I'm sitting right. down, you know. And she says, unlike Carolyn, and you know, I didn't speak to Felicia. I didn't even know her name, man. Uh and I, I so Kara she said that Felicia just was pretty she Shelly described her as being fairly cool about it. I mean, excited, but not Carolyn seemed like, like I said, like she was gonna end up at the hospital. She was traumatized. Yeah, yeah. And and now, you know, with with the passage of years and my understanding of some of these things. It's my, I surmise, and, you know, it's strictly speculation. I, I think maybe, especially based upon what I'm about to tell you, that maybe maybe Felicia had had previous contact of some kind, you know. But, you know, I was a baby in this. I didn't know anything about this stuff. So my wife says to me, you're not going to believe what Felicia said. And I said, you know, like I said, I'm thinking, what's this going to be? And she said, "She," my, my wife said, she was pretty cool about it. She said, she just said flatly that her and Carolyn got abducted by aliens and she's been trying to get pregnant with her husband, but she's had miscarriages and can't get pregnant. And she said, she doesn't know why, but she feels like these guys, you know, and made her pregnant. Right. And at that point I kind of shut down. I was really, really upset. And I told my wife, I don't want to hear any more about this. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to hear any more crazy stuff, you know, being as close as I was to this thing, it really scared the life out of me. I mean, it really did. And I was shook up enough. I didn't want to hear him. Shirley Coin. She's got a kid. You know, the MUFON lady told me she's got a kid on a spaceship or some crazy thing. These ladies missing time. Now you're telling me what? This is like a funky tabloid. You know, I'm having an alien's baby or something. I mean, just I don't want to hear about this. This is the end, you know, and 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 I never talked to Felicia. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't talk to her. I just didn't, I didn't want her anymore. I I just was upset and, uh, I didn't know what to believe. And, uh, I guess this is a good spot to fast forward. I mean, a lot of stuff happened over the decades, but I think that's, I think I need to add this here. Uh, you know, I quit that job about two weeks later. I never even knew Felicia's last name. And, uh, I know Carolyn's and uh, you know, I didn't know what happened to her and years passed. I got a divorce. I'm remarried to Linda. Of course, poor old Linda's had to listen to me, you know, <laughs> ad nauseum talk about this stuff and I'm you know, trying to figure it out. And I told you, you, you're aware of this, but her and I grew up next door to each other. Um, I was in love with her. When I was 14, but you know, we got together when we were 60, her husband passed away. And so we got together and it was a great thing for me because she knows me completely. She knows there's no way I would ever make something like this up. And, uh, you know, so I could talk to her openly about it, and she was a social worker, and she's really super, super loving and supportive, and just, she can got my rock.
0: guy recently found this report on uh, the MUFON website. You have to pay to uh, get there uh, to read it, but here it is, and I'll, I'll put a link to it. In March 1994, myself and fellow co-worker carpooled together to work in Brighton, Michigan. The week that this incident happened, it was her turn to drive. So usually when the other would drive, we would take a nap. So that was what I was doing. When I wake up to a whirling noise sounding like, woom, "Woom woom and the full-sized van with camper on top was spinning around and around, but it seemed as though we were still and it was spinning around. I also noticed that there was a bright white cloud surrounding us. It was bright like a light. I also observed my coworker was acting like she was in a trance of some kind, looking straight forward. And when she would turn the steering wheel from left to right, the van would move side to side as though there was no ground underneath. I would say that felt like there was no friction. Um, That's me adding that in. Then I blacked out. Next thing I remember is coming down from the sky in an incline at top speed very fast toward ongoing traffic. Then all of a sudden we stopped. Neither one of us moved out of our seats, we were still. So I looked back to see if we could back up and go the way that we were going or go back to the last exit and turn around and head to work. But when I looked back, it was as though we were in a huge football field lit up with very bright colors, reds, yellows, greens, and oranges. Keep in mind, this happened around 4 a.m., and it's pitch dark at this time in the winter. So we decided to go to the last exit we had just passed and turn around and head to work since we were not harmed. So we did. During this time, there was a lot of traffic. No one stopped to help or the incident didn't stop, tra- stop traffic at all. It was as though no one saw us. Well, when we got to our jobs, we were one hour late. We left in plenty of time for work, so we, sh- we shouldn't have been late. But what bothered me the most is how some co-workers that followed the same highway saw the craft. Several eyewitnesses said it was massive. I put two and two together and realized that we were in it. And the strangest thing of this whole incident is that I became pregnant with my oldest son, who is now 17 years old. Now, one thing I noticed when um, Guy sent me this message was when she describes the sound that the craft made, a whirling sound like "woom, woom." It's spelled womb, like W-O-M-B, like a uterus, which I, that jumped right out to me, symbolically speaking. And so that's from the MUFON website, and I'll I'll give you a link to that.
1: Yeah, that was, and, you know, many years had passed, it had been decades, and I was married to Linda, and one night independent of we weren't even talking about any of this stuff and we've got a long table with our computers and we goof off and sit surf the net and she had done a search for carpool alien abduction flint on google which you know i'd never done and she calls me butch and she said honey come look at this or butch come look at this and and that thing, by the way, I want to add too. That was unsigned, but it's it's Felicia because I mean they're going to Brighton. She's in the passenger seat of a conversion van, and I mean, you know. And I read that, and it was literally probably, you know, it was like 2015 or something. She found that. I but fell out of my chair or fell over. You know, I was reading, looking at her computer, and I was like. Man, this is crazy, and and uh, you know we took a break. I took a break. It is embarrassing, you know. I think people that have these things happen as children, uh, and that I, I know people have been abducted their whole lives, and they sit and talk about it. And uh, you can leave this in. Uh, you know, I got kind of emotional, and I had to take a break. It's 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 kind of hard for me to talk about this stuff. When I when I talk about it in its entirety, it still bothers me. You know, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like you know, I think, as I said, I know people who now, uh, you know, I've changed. I'm different than I was. I've changed remarkably. And I, you know, I, I, know now that some, something is visiting us and, and interacting with us and I'm sorry, I don't care. People believe it. You know, they're certainly not making this up, but you know, when I tell the story in its entirety, somehow it's like living it again, of course, you know, and mm-hmm. it's just, and I shoved it down for a lot of years. I just didn't, I wouldn't, I would think about it some, but I wouldn't let myself think about it a lot because it was just too disturbing on some level, you know. And, uh but uh I would add to about four or five years after this happened, I had Carolyn's phone number and I thought one night I'm going to call her and see if she's remembered anything else, you know, and I rang her up and her husband answered. Couldn't have been nicer. I didn't, of course he, I didn't know him and he didn't know me, but I explained to him who I was. And I said, I was her sounding board when we had this very odd experience out on the freeway when we were working down near Brighton and he knew what I, immediately what I was talking about. Right. And uh, he said, guy, I know exactly what you're talking about. He said, He kind of chuckled and said, he said, we know something really odd happened out there, but we don't, we'll never know what it was. And he said, Carolyn can't talk about it. She gets too upset. And, you know, I, of course, respected that. Mm -hmm. And uh, funny, she still has the same landline to this day. I was, I had kind of a chaotic life and she still has the same landline. I swear to you. In fact, I almost called her. I was talking to a UFO researcher about four years ago. And I decided I'd give him the number if we had set these ground rules, right? And I researched it. She had the same number. But we we found during our research that like six months before, Flint's a really violent town. Now, this is Carolyn who did not say she became pregnant. She had a couple of kids and her her son had been murdered. Her 41-year-old son had been shot. Mm-hmm. Down. And I said, dude, you, you can't call her. Don't do that. And so, and he said, no, I won't. And so I've never contacted her. I don't think it would be good for her. And so, you know, of course, I'd be great for me if she'd come out and talk about this because, well, thankfully I found some more witnesses uh, really bizarrely after all these years. So, but I'm trying to think what else happened there. Well, I guess, you know, what happened was I shoved all this stuff down. And thought, well, they took Carolyn and Felicia, but it's got nothing to do with me. And so I'm in the declare. And, you know, I just, one thing that is noteworthy maybe is that after this thing, that after I saw this thing, as much as the UFO, I, I was obsessed with the idea of suddenly that we didn't understand time properly, and, or that we had, that, that the way we perceived time was out of whack. And I mean, I know nothing about physics, I'm lousy in math. But I was drawing representations and showing them to people. I draw a line and say, we think of a time like this, that, that it's linear and the sun comes up and the sun goes down and there's entropy and we get old and we die and the days and I say and then I draw a circle and say, No, it's more like this, like a circle where everything's happening at the same time. You know, like this I think I, I joked with you the last time the first time we recorded without some of the things that have happened recently. I, I, it's kind of like physics for dummies. I don't know anything about physics. (laughs) uh, Right. I was trying my best to express this idea that I had that I didn't know where I got, you know, but apparently, I mean, I mean, I had something to do with this thing. I think, uh, I was, I was sure that time was different than we think it is, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so I was yapping to that. I was yapping that stuff to friends and family and, uh, you know, they're like, what's Butch talking about? You know, I'm, but, you know, I told, listen, I told a few people, of course my family and I told a few friends now and then about the UFO thing, but I pretty much kind of stayed away from, uh, well, one thing I did do is I listened, I started listening to everything I could find about UFOs. I mean, I I found coast to coast AM on, on the internet, or it was a radio program was on the internet. Right. And I found that. And I, uh, anytime there was something on, you know, alien invasion week on TLC or, you know, <laughs> I, I remember I've got some old VHS tapes. They had, alien, you know, any sort of documentary, I was desperate to try to figure out, you know, what, what, what this, what this meant, you know, what this could be. And I wanted to know other people that had this happen, but like I said, I thought, well, all this happened to them. And, you know, I had this sighting and it's weird enough and, But years passed and nothing happened to me. And then at one point, the sighting was in 94. And then in 2012, I was in a really, really bad marriage. Uh, My then wife was, I don't want to, you know, she'd she'd had a really, really rough life. I'm not faulting her at all. Zero. She'd had a very rough life. Uh, She was Hispanic. She She was diagnosed as bipolar. She could be really violent. And, uh, you know, and I was not at all. And, uh, I had guns pointed at me I mean, for no, I mean, for no reason, uh, it was a bad experience and God bless her soul. I mean, she's, we're all the product of our environments and I bear no malice. I only hope good things for her, but it was a very bad situation. And I was really, my job had gone away. She had driven us to bankruptcy. We, I'd been living in Lansing, Michigan in a house I remodeled there. And I had a rental house in Flint, and we'd had to we'd lost the house in Lansing due to her some stuff she pulled, and uh, I had to sell a, a double wide mobile well uh, mobile home like a double wide mobile home I had in Lansing. Basically, she'd really messed us up financially, and I was living in this rental house I owned in Flint, and we bought the house across the street. She had some adult kids. That, you know, there wasn't room for all of us in the house that we had. So I, here I'm living in this rental house I'd bought decades before, and the neighborhood would become horrible. She's living across the street. So I was going to, you know, this, this is kind of the Dr. Phil portion of the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, So, you know, it's 2012, and I was, I was like really depressed, and I'd never been prone to depression. I was watching assisted, I was watching these videos. I still remember the, na- the names of them. Uh, one was called "How to Die in Oregon," and another one was uh, featured a guy named Terry Pratchett, who was an Englishman who had uh, he had. I think there were a couple of videos on him. He was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and was deciding whether or not to. And I just wanted a way out. I, I, I was at the lowest point of my life, and she was living across the street. It was a crazy relationship. And one night, uh, you know, I didn't have to get up for work. Because my, where I worked closed and I was playing around on the internet at like three in the morning. And I think it was, I think it was literally, my recollection is, is that I was playing play money poker, just, you know, playing cards, goofing off. And I didn't have to go back to bed. So I thought, what the hell, it's three o'clock in the morning, but I'm going to get a cup of coffee. So this is 2012, right? Yeah, I'm crazy. So <laughs> I, I had no place to, no reason to go to bed or get up. So I was like, I'm, So I walked to the kitchen, and uh, the coffee pot sat on a stand. And above that stand in the coffee pot, there was a window that looked out over the driveway. And then there was a vacant lot. Well, there had been a house there that some arsonists had burned down. And then there was an abandoned house beyond that, a beautiful neighborhood. It was a horrible place. And I'm pouring this cup of coffee. And as I'm pouring it, I mean, this sounds crazy, man. But this beam of blue light, this very odd beam of blue light, I've never seen anything like this. It was like this soft blue light that appeared to be, you know, I couldn't see, you know, the entirety of my house. I'm looking out. It appeared to be a beam like around my house. It, It had a distinct stopping point. And the odd thing about it was it wasn't like an incandescent light where it's brighter here and brighter there. It was like a soft blue laser, and there was some junk in that vacant lot. And I swear you, and this is you know nutty, but there it didn't make any shadows. There were no—I mean, I remember that. I was like, I'm standing there looking at that light, going, "What in the hell is going?" I'm, I got this cup of coffee in my hand, and it was on about like ten seconds, and it went out. And I'm standing there with that coffee. And I had the thought, I thought, did I just see that? And the minute I had that thought, they turned it back on. It comes on, you know, like. As if to say, yes, you saw that. Yep, exactly. And and, yeah, exactly. In fact, I said out loud, verbally, I said, you jokers. Because I felt, that's what I said. I said, you jokers. And, And I felt, that's these guys. And I thought, I'm going to catch these little boogers. It was about about 15 feet to the front door, right? And that house sat up on a little rise. And I could see about a block and a half in either direction. And I ran out the front door. You know, I'm like, I'm going to catch these guys, right? And that neighborhood was crazy. There was, I swear to you, there was gunfire all night long, dogs barking. Uh, It was the east. You can look up east side of Flint on Wikipedia. I mean, and it's like hell on earth, really. And nowadays, and I got I go out on the porch, number one, for a block and a half in either direction. There's not a car, but there's not a cricket. There's not a dog. There's not a sound. It's like, it's I'm not suggesting this is what happened, but it's like time had stood still. I mean, I'm like, not only is the blue light not on, there's nothing. I don't hear anything. And I, I think what's odd is my reaction to it was you'd think that would freak you out kind of. I just remember I came back in the house and like, I don't know if I went to the computer or if I went to bed and, uh, but I didn't, uh, it didn't scare me. I was kind of, after it happened, I was kind of strangely like, Oh, well, you know, and in the morning, my wife came over to make me breakfast and a little Mexican lady. And I told her about this blue light and, she thought, you know, it was really weird. Of course, she hadn't seen it, so you know how weird it was. And uh, she, as a kid, picking cotton in Texas with her dad, she'd seen two UFOs. So, and she was a pretty uncomplicated kind of gal. She wasn't, you know. But you know, I, I, I didn't. She, I, you know, I didn't say it was a UFO. I just told her it was this crazy blue light around a house. It was like a beam, uh, and. Anyway, she made me breakfast and then I told her about it. And she was like, "That's weird. And, and then four nights later, she comes about 11 o'clock. I was getting ready to go to bed that night. I was going to bed at a decent hour. And she comes in and she's got this arm full of VHS tapes. And she says, The kids are watching something on Netflix I don't want to watch. I want to watch movies on the VCR in the living room. And I said, Well, have at it. You know, knock yourself out. I'm going to bed, you know. So, so I went to the bedroom and, uh, I need a swing of pop here. I said, I'm going to bed. So I went in the bedroom and went to bed. And by nine o'clock in the morning, I was asleep. She throws the bedroom door open and wakes me up. She's all wigged out. And she says, that blue light, the blue light you told me about. I call it laser blue, laser blue. It came on all around the house. And, and she was scared. And I said, well, I said, did you go out to see where it was coming from? You know, like I did. she said, no, 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 I was too scared. And, and I said, "Why didn't you wake me up?" And she said, "I tried to wake you up. I came in the bedroom and I shook you and everything, and you couldn't wake up. You know what is that? You know what is that? I, wake, I sleep pretty light, you know." She kind of inferred that, you know, you know, something, something weird happened. I don't know what happened, but 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 then right after that, right after that. All of a sudden, I did not I did not associate it with this blue light thing, you know. I mean, I, I didn't know what happened. I was just know that she said I was kind of not there sort of to wake up. And, and right after that, every time I'd look at a damned clock, it was like 1111, it was 444, it was 333. And I drew no line between this blue light or any sort of UFO stuff. I thought, man, I developed some kind of quirk where I'd taught myself to look at the clock at these times, you know, I was just almost, but it would stop me in my tracks when I. At the beginning, it really bothered me. I was like, it would kind of. I just couldn't. I'd get a funny feeling, and I was like, because it was happening so often. I was like, and I'd never heard of this. I'd never done that. I was like, what is that? I'd feel like this was somehow meaningful, and I mean, that sounds nuts, and I'd never heard of it. And years passed. I got divorced. Linda and I got together, and when we got together, I told her. I said, "Hey, I have this weird quirk." I, I said, "I don't know what this is about." I said, "I'm, I constantly see these repeating numbers on the clock," you know, and it started right after that blue light. I didn't even say that to her because now I kind of see like something happened, you know. But and I, and then about three years ago, I was watching a documentary with a gal. Her name is uh, Geraldine. I want to say Arcazo or something. But it was called Deceiting. And she was talking about, she says she's been abducted her whole life and I believe the woman. And she said that in her first conscious abduction that she remembered completely, she said that she was in her bed as an adult and that there was this brilliant light shining through her window. And she was describing everything that happened. And she said, she rolled over and she said, I'll never forget. I looked at my digital digital clock and it was 333 on the dot. And this seemed to be very, it, it was obviously of great significance to her. And all of a sudden a, a light went on of my head. I'm like, is this number thing got something to do with me seeing a UFO and having these, this light around my house? And and I've got like maybe at that point I'd developed like five friends who had, frankly, I know have been abducted. And I reached out to them. One guy's written a couple of books. I can't think of the, I wrote a book called The Children of the Greys. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. And just some people that I'd met via YouTube and sane, sober people that I believe been abduct, had been abducted. And I started asking these people, have you ever heard of this? You know, the first lady I called was this lady in New Hampshire. And her, her husband had seen a triangle and uh, uh, my wife's having a coffin fit. And uh, I talked to her about something else. And I was hanging up, and I said, "Hey, have you ever heard of this? Uh, you know, I see these numbers on the clock." And she started laughing, and she said, "Guy, I got a phone full of clock pictures." I said, "Yeah, it happens all the time." And I was like, "Really?" And I, anyway, I went through four or five people, and they all—all all people that had, had experiences—and they all said, "Oh, the clock thing." And I'm like, "This is a thing." And the final—the final one was i I'd, I'd had a heart attack and I'd started going to see a social worker because I'd been depressed Linda wanted me to see a social worker and that's when, in fact i've I've explained to you when I started mm-hmm. up about the UFO stuff and and they were I was on a mild tranquilizer at a van and so once a month I'd see a a a, a nurse who was a psychiatric nurse and young gal really sweet and I told her about the UFO stuff and I wasn't seeing her one day and I said and I was leaving and I said I got a question for you. I said, Lindsay, in your clinical experience, and we had talked about my UFO stuff. And she again, surprisingly, tended to believe me. And I was leaving and I said, Have you ever had anybody in your clinical experience in the psychiatric portion of this thing, had anybody come in and say they saw repeating digits on clocks and stuff? And she said, Oh yeah, yeah. She said, Remember when we talked about your UFO stuff, I told you that when I worked up north I had this one guy who said he'd been abducted his whole life. That guy, that guy told me the same exact thing. He talked about it all the time. And I was like, holy, my jaw just went to the floor. Because I didn't associate this with, you know, I'd never heard of this, but it was a thing that kind of drove me nuts. But, and I would get this crazy feeling and it would happen. It does, and it still happens. I get it in waves and it seems like I get it. I had it today. I had it today when I thought about a friend of mine. We had talked on Messenger. She saw a UFO from a great distance, and I, we closed our little chat. We had chatted for a few moments, and uh, I was surfing the net. And I, I thought about her, and I thought, "Yeah, she's she's one of us. She she doesn't know it, but she's." And I thought, and I had an appointment today. And literally, as I had that thought, I thought, "What time is it?" And I looked, and it was twelve twelve. And I took a strange computer and, and I mean, this crap happens to me a lot and, you know, just all, all kinds of, after the blue light, all kinds of things happen. I, I told you previously, but you know, again, we've made it clear that we've done this once and then some strange things happened to well, We were at a wedding reception, uh, about three years ago and, uh, and I was introduced <laughs> to a guy who's basically a stranger. Well, i oddly, My wife and I had gone to a thing called The Moth, which is an NPR program. They perform live where people get up and tell stories. Like five years ago, we went to The Moth. And I'm a smoker. We got there early at a theater in Flint. We had to wait outside. A few people were smoking. I walked up to a guy. I said, I feel like a hobo. Can I bum a cigarette? Oh, no problem. Because we'd park like six blocks away. We talked for all of two minutes. All of two minutes. And the guy explained he was a musician. I said, oh, I used to be a musician. That was it. We, We walked away from each other. I I and I go to a wedding reception like two years ago, and my buddy says, "Hey, before it starts, we're waiting for the bride and groom to get there." My buddy says, "Hey, guy, he says uh, I want you to meet the guy's name's Vic, and uh, he's oh, Vic's the band leader tonight. You know, uh, they're a terrific band; you're gonna love them. I want to, I want you to meet him." And the guy looks at me and he says, "He says, you know, I think I've met you. My wife was with me. He said, I think I've met you folks before," and I said. You know, I don't recall meeting you. And I was kind of embarrassed. And he said, did you go see The Moth a couple of years ago at the Capitol Theater? And I said, oh, yeah. I said, you're the guy that gave me a cigarette. I said, I'll be darned. I said, you got a memory like an elephant, man. I said, that's great, you know. And again, again, we talked for like two minutes. That's it. That's kind of neat. I met him down at The Moth, you know. And I go sit on on this patio outdoors again, waiting for this thing to really get started. And I was having real bad anxiety and I don't drink and uh, drink maybe five times in 30 years. But I would say I have a social anxiety disorder and, and, my, and my wife doesn't like alcohol because our parents both had alcohol problems. And but yeah. she said to me, she said, this, this was so bizarre. She said, she, I said, I don't think I can do this. I, you know, and I'm just really I'm real stressed. I don't feel right. And she said, why don't you have a glass of wine? So I had, whoopee, I had two glasses of wine, right? We're still still waiting for this thing to start. We're on this patio. We're sitting at a table outside. And I've had two glasses of wine. So I'm relaxed, but, you know, you're not, not drunk. I'm in an altered state. For me, I'm kind of where most people are normally, I think, you know. And I see this guy, this band leader walking about 15 feet away. And we're in my wife and I are in conversation. I just don't even tell, I just jump out of my seat. And I run over to this guy. And I mean, I get like nose to nose with this dude. And I said, again, this is a quote. This is like the air traffic controller. I said, You've had a really weird close-up UFO sighting, haven't you? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, how nutty is that crap? I've walked, let me tell you what. One of the things that I always look for in these UFO documentaries is, you know, the consistency of, you know, people, and and I've never heard anything like this, you know? I I don't even know. It was like I looked anyway, so, and the guy just stares off in the middle space and says immediately, as a matter of fact, yes, I have. and, And I don't even ask him to tell me, and he starts talking. He's not looking at me. He says, when I was 17, I was driving down George Highway, which is a four-lane road in Flint. And she, he said, there were these cars pulled over to the side of the road, and people were out of their cars looking up in the air. And I said, I thought, what are they looking at? What's going on? And he said, I looked up, and about 200 feet in the air, there was this, there was this UFO. It looked like a straw hat. And he said, the top was spinning, and it had portals, and different colored lights were shooting out of it, like yellow and orange and, you know, green. And just shooting out, like almost like laser beams of light, and it was spinning. And he said he pulled over, and they all stood there. And he said, after like two minutes, he said it, it took off. He said, "Guys, it was like a bullet." And he said, and he turned to me at that point and he looked at me. and He said, "And there was nothing in the Flint Journal the next day." And I'm like, "Yeah," and one with the club. And we didn't even say another word. I just, I, just, I walked away from the guy. What can you say after that? I, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I said that it's one. not light
0: conversation.
1: Yeah, and it's like, what in the hell? just happened. I sat down with Linda and I said, you're not going to believe what I just said to this guy. And she said, you know what? And I said, I I told her and she said, why did you, what made you say that? Cause I don't bring this up. Like I said, I don't know. And what I said to her, I said, I said, I, I knew he knew. What does that mean? You know, I don't know. I mean, I mean, you know, this stuff is very complicated and obviously I mean, you know, I know a lot. I'm not this baby in this thing anymore. I mean, it, it, these things pretty clearly to me affect consciousness in some kind of way. I explained to you, you know, there's been so many little things. Uh, we're, me and Linda were sitting here, I don't know, four years ago, and we had some neighbors, or doc, both doctors, chiropractors, husband and wife, they have a clinic in town. Their house sits up on a hill behind ours, and we never met them. They're younger and uh they've got a lot of, quite a bit of land. And one night about seven o'clock, we still light out, the, the doorbell rings. And we both go to the door because nobody rings their bell, you know. And it's this blonde lady who we don't know. And she's just white as a ghost, man. And she's like, I, I just want to make sure you folks are all right. right? I just want to make sure you're okay. And and Linda and I, I was sitting in this chair. Linda was sitting in a chair over there. We don't know what, she, you know, she was reading a book. I was on a web and uh, is, what is this woman talking about? And who is she? And she says, well, I, she said, I live next door. She said, and she said, I was in my kitchen. And she said, and again, their house sits kind of behind us and up on a hill. So they looked down at the back of our house and she said, there was a big explosion right up by your sliding glass door. I mean, there's a big, you know, we were in our den, but our living room is, there's a huge arch and the sliding glass doors right there. And I'm like, what? I'm like, what? You know, and we were like, what is she talking about? And, you know, she was really concerned about us. So I later learned from her husband. I've since met them, and she was so freaked out that she called him. He was out in the woods hunting, and she called him and said, you know, there was this explosion. Should I go check on the neighbors? And he said, yeah, and that gets crazy, too. I've recently I've recently gotten to meet them over the last year and really know them a little bit. And I, I, I at the time, I didn't ask her a lot about this, quote, explosion. And uh, I, about a year ago, I asked her, I met her finally and felt comfortable enough. She's kind of private. And I I felt comfortable enough to, I said, what, what did that look like? And I thought it was like maybe a red, little red flash of lighter. She said, it was huge. She said, I thought your house exploded. She said it was blue and white. And I literally thought your house itself exploded. And I'm like, huh? I mean, if you could have seen. Was
0: there a noise?
1: For her, I don't know. I don't, she didn't say that. She, hmm, say was that's anything. interesting. Yeah. And, uh, but the fact that Linda and I saw nothing, well, we weren't, well, she was kind of looking that direction. And she said it was right up by our sliding glass door the first time. And then when I talked to her, she said, literally, I thought your house exploded. So she said it was big. She said it was this big explosion. And I'm like, huh. And, you know, I mean, and just all this crap. I've had weird stuff suddenly with electronics. I don't want to go. That could take all night. I mean, you I know have
0: that problem too. So I understand.
1: Yeah, I have devices shutting off suddenly mm-hmm. and um, just odd stuff. Uh, if I text one friend of mine who's an experiencer, my iPhone, I'll do a voice to text thing. Only with this guy, the phone will. Uh, I'll get it all ready to hit send and it'll start almost popping, and it'll start at the bottom and delete the entire message. Sometimes it fills it back in. I called Mm -hmm. Apple and described it to them, and they said, well, we've never really heard of that. I was Mm -hmm. on hold forever while they were asking. He said, if it does again, call and we'll connect you to our engineering department. Maybe they can figure it out. Because I was like, maybe there's a button or but I wasn't hitting anything, you know? Yeah.
0: You know, I've had a case where I was talking with a friend who's uh, a writer in the, the UFO. He writes books about UFOs and things. And uh, we were talking about UFOs. Huh? Big surprise. But we had been talking about other things before that and everything was fine. He was driving, he was on speakerphone and all of a sudden on my side, all I could hear was static or like a rushing wind like wow. he had rolled his window down.
1: could not, not, not surprising for me. And,
0: and I could sort of hear his voice saying, "Are you still there? Are you still there?" And then he said, "Wait a minute. Did you just say you have to go?" And then I broke in and I said, "No, dude. I'm I'm right here, but you sound like there's you know, rushing wind. Did you open your window? And he said, "No." I said, "Somebody doesn't want us to talk about this."
1: Yeah, and well, we both
0: laughed. Yeah. Well, yeah, but
1: it's yeah, but it's true. And you know, something that I left out—a big thing that I left out in this whole in this whole lengthy thing that I've described—is that so I had this sighting on March 18th of '94, and uh, I assumed, okay, this thing, there was a craft out there on March 18th of '94, and in 2009, I'm getting my blood drawn at my doctor's office, and I used to be really phobic about blood being drawn. Now I'm fine. After a heart attack and a stroke, I'm like, you know, the blood drawn a lot, so yeah. But uh, but but I used to have to think about anything except that, you know, I, I'd had I would have to think about something when they were drawing my blood besides, you know, blood coming out of my arm just creep me out. And I was getting my annual physical, and uh, they're taking my blood. I, I would. See my doctor, then I go to this little phlebotomy room, where there was a lady at a desk that was always there, and then a nurse would take your blood. She 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 ran that phlebotomy office, and she'd sit in front of a computer. And I'm in there, and there's she's got this kind of spacey wallpaper on her computer. This is 2009, and I a buddy of mine used to pay me to develop websites because I ran a server as a hobby and. He had banking sites. And I suggested he make a UFO site because I could write some stuff for him. And he had paid me to write a, an article about my sighting. And I, at that point, I had not seen the blue light thing. And I, I'd written this article just the week before. And I'm trying to think about anything but, you know, getting my blood drawn. And, like, it's almost comical. I said to this lady, I said, hey, she's got this spacey wallpaper. I said, hey, you should go to this website then. Read this article I wrote about seeing a UFO. I saw this huge triangle on US twenty three between Baldwin and Thompson roads. And she turns to me. And she says, "She says, wow. She says, she says my neighbors saw that." She said he's an attorney and she's a teacher at Mott. And I said, "What?" And I, she kind of indicated that it had been recent. I don't remember exactly how. And she, I said, "What did they think about it?" And she said, "They thought it was the end of the world." She said they drove home in a in a complete terror as fast as they could. And I'm thinking, well, I mean, how was that? 94, and she's telling me this is kind of recent. And and then the next year, 2010, I mean, this is insanity. Again, this is stuff that's inconsistent with anything I've ever heard when I've watched a UFO thing, right? 2010, I go to this summer blast. One of our classmates had a kind of an unofficial reunion every year at her farm. She had this real nice farm out in Montrose. Uh uh, you know, farming town in Michigan and not too far from Flint. And we were out there and I saw an old buddy of mine I hadn't seen in years. We played in a band together in high school. We played in that, my first bar gig. He was the drummer and, but he's very private, doesn't do the internet. And I finally ran into Jack and we're out catching up on old times, you know, talking about, you know, what's happened over the years. I was so happy to see him. He's a wonderful guy, just private. And, I, and at some point I thought, man, he'd be interested in this. I said, dude, in 94, get this, we were talking about everything, you know, marriages, divorces, you know, lives in general, our jobs. And I, I thought of this UFO thing. I said, man, in 94, I was out on US 23 and I drove my car into this, this big, big triangular UFO. And he stands back and he says, I saw that. I saw that too. And I said, what? And he described this exact same spot. As a matter of fact, he says, yeah, he said, I got off at Thompson Road. I, he had the guts to get off at the, this exit. And he was going to get up, go up this exit and turn around and look at it, you know, which, man, I I was way too scared to do that. And that exit was not that far beyond. And this thing was big. And he said, yeah, he said, I got up, you know, the, and there's nothing on that road. It's a country road. He said he got up to the top of the exit, turned to the left, and he could stop and look at it. And he said, when he turned and looked, and his this big damn thing, he said, it had disappeared. And I said, are you sure it was 95? Because, Jack, I know that it I saw it March 18th of 94 and he went through this thing and he's a bright guy. And he said, he said, I'm sure it was 1990. He didn't know the date or the month, but he says, I know it was 1995. And I'm like, how's that possible? Which leads me to what happened recently. And that is suddenly I did some podcasts. I I don't know just how this happened, uh, but I got in some groups on Facebook. Yourself and some other people have reached out to me and it's, I did this very first podcast. It's a Michigan. Um, it's a Michigan-based thing that's kind of new. It's a couple uh, that are teachers, high school teachers, and they saw a triangle down near Detroit, and uh, freaked them out totally. And they started a, pod, a Facebook group and a podcast. And I did the podcast, and as a consequence of that, two people eventually reached out, have reached out to me, and and the first guy that reached out to me is a. Very nice young man. He's 22, but he's sharp as a tack. I mean, he's a character. I mean, he sells insurance for AAA, real go-getter. He's in the stock market. I mean, he's not a goofball. He's a, right. raised in kind of a religious home, got a girlfriend. This is not not a drug guy. I mean, he's a smart, hardworking kid. He's a, Like I said, he's been driving me crazy trying to sell me insurance for for <laughs> our cars and houses. Already, to God, it's funny. And he's just, Alex is a wonderful young man. He's a nice kid, very bright. And he reached out to me and uh, he found some, he found me via, I've got some videos I finally made at, you know, my therapist, I told him I kind of wanted to talk about this publicly. And I wanted to, I really wanted to find people that had seen this because it drove me nuts that I'm like, this was a freeway. So I made some YouTube videos after I started seeing this therapist a number of years ago. He found me via YouTube. He heard the podcast. He found me on YouTube. And he he made a comment underneath. And I sent him an email. And it was crazy. It was absolutely, utterly, totally crazier than I could have ever dreamt. In the sense that I meet this bright young kid. We ended up talking on the phone for at least two hours. And uh, very articulate young guy. And he said that... On March 23rd of 2019, now, my sighting was March 18th, 94. On March 23rd of 2019, he had driven his brother, who had gotten a like a drunk driving ticket to, to he'd driven his brother to, to work to a plant in Flint. Like me, he's traveling south on US 23 at 3 in the morning, the exact same spot. He sees the exact same craft. He has the exact same reaction. He freaks out. He's scared to death. It's sitting just above those trees, almost touching him. He slows way down, but he can't stop. He feels like he's hearing, get away, get away. He said, he said, on the, we, we eventually did a podcast together. And he said, uh, he said, like Guy, he said, I-, I wanted, he said, I've often thought, he said, why didn't I stop? Because, he's a young guy and it was, you know, mine was in 94. He had a nice, you know, he's got a good phone. And he said, I could have had the best photo of a UFO in the history of mankind. He said, we were so close to this. Nobody's ever taken something like this. And he said, but he said, I couldn't, he slowed way down. He said like 20, I think I slowed down to like 35. He said, something was telling him like me, get away, get away. And I think it confirmed to me what I'd begun to, what I'd suspected a little bit forever that, and I think it's why it affected me as profoundly as it did, and why I can get emotional talking about it is we had a form of communication happen with this thing that humans don't normally experience. And uh, besides seeing it, and so let's, you know, let's talk about destroying your worldview. I mean, everything, this is a whole new. I've heard that I think supposedly an alien told Eisenhower it's it's something about what what can you offer? I don't know if any of that's true but I've heard that some some one of our dignitaries spoke to an alien and they and our dignitary said what can you offer us and they said oh, new world if you can handle it and uh, I mean this was like a glimpse into another world, another reality. And, uh, but he had had the identical experience at the identical spot, but on March 23rd of 2019, now is this, this goes back to what I was talking about time, not being like we think something out there all the time. I think we did again, not to get be redundant, but you and I, Kendra was available that night and we'd done a thing together. And one of you said, is that a portal? I think I think it was one of you said that said mm-hmm. that, but, or is it there all the time? Or what is? Because I've got now I've got I saw it March eighteenth, ninety four. <laughs> I have got a lady that runs the phlebotomy office. It's second hand, but she's telling me that her neighbors, who her neighbor is an attorney and his wife who's a teacher, saw it on like I don't know two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand five or something. And I don't recall how she told me, but it was not ninety four. 2010, I meet a guy who I know really well that says, I know I saw it in 95. And then Alex, Alex actually said that when he heard the podcast, he woke up on a Sunday morning and he was bored and his, he was laying there. His girlfriend was there and he put his headphones on and he found this pot. He was shocked. He said he'd been on a quest like me to find somebody that's seen anything like this. And he said, when he listened to this, and I'm talking about the same object at the same spot, He said he burst into tears. He said he started crying. And uh, he's a pretty tough kid. But this stuff is different, you know, and it it affects a person pretty profoundly. Uh, uh, I don't know.
0: What happened with you and he is you had communication that was not anything that we normally experience as humans. Near as I can tell. You were both warned away from something. It's almost as if they don't always know who can and cannot see what's there. The oh. that the intelligence that's there can't always predict who sees and who doesn't. But once you've seen it.
1: They know. They know. Yeah. Yeah. They know you've seen it. And I don't think they forget that no.
0: uh,
1: I worry for Alex because uh, you know, I've had these odd things happen subsequently and he thinks I just saw a UFO because that's what I thought. And that was weird enough. And I don't mean that anything necessarily bad is going to happen to him, but you know, some more stuff might happen because it seems, it just seems like apparently based on my experience, it's like, once you're, there's a buddy on on of mine on on Ray Hernandez's in in Ray Hernandez's Facebook group, and the joke between him and I is tag dear it. and uh, you know it's kind of like you know, once you've had that communication, they and this sounds foo foo and crazy, and you know people that have not had these experiences are going to think this sounds like sci-fi nonsense, but th- it's like these. These beings, they know it. It's like your head's a radio antenna or something. They they know that they well, what I said about that guy at that wedding reception, they know you know. You mm-hmm. know? So it's kind of like but and okay, so that's weird enough. I meet Alex, who's had the same experience, and this all happened within the last two weeks. That's why you said maybe we should talk some more. Uh three weeks, something like that. So I meet Alex. Then again from that same that first podcast, another guy. Reaches out, Ed, and Ed lives in Port Huron, Michigan, which is uh, east of here, about fifty miles, right on the Canadian border, fifty-five miles away. Huh? And uh, Ed's a great, got a great resume. He was a, uh, he was in, uh, he was ex-military. He was in Desert Storm. He, he, he was a. I know he's he had a private pilot's license. I think he even had a commercial scan. He said he had some sort of commercial license when he was in the military in desert storm, he worked on an air base and I don't know just what capacity he worked with flight stuff. And I don't, I can't tell you what his designation was, but uh, he gets a hold of me yeah. and he, he, through that podcast and he says, guys, he says, uh, you know, he says, I don't know what date it was in March of 94, but now here's a guy that says, I saw it in March of '94, like you did, but I saw it out in Mlay City, right at about four o'clock in the morning, about an hour before I saw it, like probably forty-five miles away in Flint. And he says I can't remember the date though. He said I know it was a Friday, and he said he was on a country road and he saw this thing drifting across the field with these brilliant white headlights. He describes the same object exactly that gets above his car. In his case. He said, again, it was about 100 feet above his car. He was on kind of a country road at 4 in the morning. He said that it turned like a crab. And there were some differences in his case. He said that it then started floating off in the direction of Flint across like a farmer's field. And that it was going kind of slow. And he said, guy, then it just shot like, I've never seen Star Trek. I've never seen an episode of it. But he said he used some Star Trek analogy. He said it just, just went to like warp speed. He said it just went, suddenly, it, after it got a little ways away, he said it just went, and he said it was on the horizon in a split second. And he said as if that wasn't scary enough, he said, in his case, he said he was sitting in his car and he said two F-16s went flying over his head chasing the thing really low, he said, with their afterburners on. And he he's a flight guy and he knows all about every kind of plane. And he said their afterburners were, were, were going. He said they were chasing this in hot pursuit of this thing. So this is at four o'clock in the morning. I see it at five, right? But he can't remember what date it is. And we're and then we ended up doing a podcast together, me and him and Alex. And the day before the podcast, he messages me and he says, Man, and this this is just this is just strange. This is really strange. And he messages me, he says, Guy, I remembered what day it was. And 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 he said it was the same day as yours. It was March the 18th. And I said, You know, how do you remember? He said, Well, he said, I remember, he said, I went out that night. He said, I went and had a couple of beers at a place called the Night Owl in MLA City. He said, it was St. Patty's Day. And he said, what triggered me remembering was, he said, uh, he said, I went up to the band and he said, I asked them if they could play Wipeout. And he said, he said, one of the guys was a smart ass. And he said, well, we don't know the words, you know. And he <laughs> said, kind of chapped my butt, you know. He, he chuckled about it now. But he said, I remember that band, man. It kind of irritated me. And then it brought it back that it was St. Patty's Day. And I looked it up and it's the same day as you, you know? And I said, man, do you know what you're telling me? I said, I've never been to Emily City before or since. But that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, that band that that irritated you, that, that was Debbie Lee and the Cruisers. And I was the piano player. And that's where I was. And you and I were in that bar an hour, a couple hours before we both had this experience. And now we're on a podcast 30 years later. And you're telling me that what made you remember the date is you talked to our band and you know, possibly me. I don't know. I doesn't sound to me like something I would have said, but yes, not my wife is my wife sitting here and says, Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> well my sister said, my sister said yesterday, she said, That sounds like something you'd say. I don't think I I have no memory of that. And I would, you know, I have no memory of the that that whatsoever and he doesn't remember which band member but just the idea that we were in this bar and a, a guy, the guy the guy that ran that podcast and it was funny too for anybody that's you know follow, follows ufo stuff he said you brought up he said think about the name of that bar too the night owl owls are such an important part of it. we we don't, we don't have time for that yeah. anybody yeah, owls. yeah yeah and but but i'll tell you when he said that It was just, I'm waiting for like Rod Serling to to, to knock (laughs) on my door and tell me I've just crossed over. I mean, you know, Ed was stunned. I was stunned. Uh, I still see this therapist just because I like to talk to him. I only see him about once a month, but I've had some medical problems recently and, you know, we talk about lots of different things and I, I find it helpful to have a sounding board and I've been able to talk about the UFO stuff. And, uh, Linda's great about it, but it's fun to talk to to, to this guy. It, it helps me. I sh- shouldn't say it's fun. It, it, it does seem to help me to be able to vent. And uh and he was just, I told him today about it. And he said, man, that's crazy. He said, that's that's he said, that's right up there with you walking up to a stranger saying you've seen a UFO. I said, it's pretty weird. Because yeah. the city's a place, as God is my witness, I've never that's a part of. It's there's really nothing out there. And I never go that way in all my years of living here. I've never seen downtown MLA City. I mean, I've never there's an exit you can get off by gas, but I've never seen the town. We set our equipment up on a Thursday, went out there and played Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That's my experience with MLA City. The guy that's on a podcast with me, what jogs his memory is he, he went up to one of our band members. I mean, what I'm just what are the chances of that? It's like off the it's off the charts. I to me, I think, I don't know. What do you think, Doctor? I think it's crazy.
0: Yeah, I think it's 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 a synchronicity that is very very improbable to yeah. have just been plain old coincidence.
1: I don't even believe in coincidence anymore. I don't. I, I, no, I, just,
0: I, I don't either. Really.
1: I mean, I mean, I'm not religious about it. You know, I'm not married to the. But I mean, I just really think there's this kind of cosmic plan. Maybe at least. I think I've said to you before, I'm not a believer, I'm a suspector. You know, I'm a.
0: Yeah. i Suspicion to, is much better. What's that? Suspicion is much better. It doesn't lock you into a, a belief yeah. system. Well,
1: yeah. I, I, I got to throw this in. I've said it a million times, and I probably said it when we talked before CNS UFO was like having my head unzipped to reveal that there was nothing. I mean, I, I don't claim to know anything because. I I I recognized at that that very first sighting the limits of my own understanding. But I I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that's that was an important. I I mean I I really don't have any answers and don't know, but but something something words going on and that seems like a really mighty weird coincidence. I mean, yeah, only find two people in 30 years. Well, I mean that can really that really talked about it at great length and really saw it up close and well, I don't know. It's just really strange that he and I were in the same nightclub, me working there as a musician and uh, that he approached the band and that's what triggers his memory. I'm like, come on, what is, what is this?
0: Yeah, that's, that's really, that's heavy. That's a, that's a heavy synchronicity. That's not a, well, that's kind of a synchronicity. No, that's that's a big one. That's a really big. I one. think it's a,
1: it, it struck me as incredibly. And and Ed, by the way, Ed's a real nuts and bolts. He's a mechanic. He kind of has a voice like kind of talks like this. I am Ed. He's he sees the numbers. He said he said I never saw him before. He said, but after that, I started seeing numbers all the time on the clock. He's I see yeah. on, He said I see them on license plates it's you know, crazy stuff, but that's that's an overview. That's the long-winded. I, you know, the problem with me, I trying to talk about this stuff is darn much crazy stuff has happened that, you know, sorry to even put it all together and make sense of it. It's just when I think it's, just when I think nothing else strange can happen, and I've never been abducted. I've never seen an alien, I, which to me is almost strange because I've had all this really other crazy odd stuff happened. Like I said to you at one point, I think before we started recording, it's almost like like they're almost sitting back with a smirk, flipping a card, going, watch this. Well, wait a minute, watch this. You know, I mean, this odd stuff keeps happening. You know? like, 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 like they don't want me to forget or something. You know, it's like, I mean, just one weird thing after the next highly, just highly improbable things. I've had people reach out to me and tell me crazy UFO stories, which is kind of neither here nor there, but, uh, you know, numerous people that I know that, cause I was, got to where I was open about it. And I've heard really insane UFO stories from people that I'd known for years that had never spoken of this stuff. I, I've come to believe that That more people have these, that that a lot more people have these experiences than talk about them. You know, (laughs) yes.
0: You know, I, that's part of why we started the podcast was because, you know, the three of us have had strange experiences. And we, we knew that if, if we spoke about ours, it would make people feel like they could speak about theirs.
1: That's important. I want to say something. This is, I want to get this out. I i was on YouTube maybe a year ago and watching some UFO video. And I, underneath it, I said I'd seen a UFO. And, it, you know, and some people asked me questions. We went back and forth. And at one point, a guy said, he said, I've had experiences since I was a little kid. What's the big deal? Wait, what are you going to do? Write a book? What's, you know, and, you know, this isn't about me. This isn't, you know, I didn't do this to, so, so somebody would look at Guy Merritt and go, well, you're really special. Because I'm not. I'm I, i I'm big on truth. I've always been a kind of a truth junkie. And uh, I think that this thing is taboo, is very unhealthy for people. And uh, I don't think it's right. And, I mean, whatever this is, and, you know, we could, that's a whole other podcast. Uh, you know, we need to be able to talk about it. You know, Neil deGrasse Tyson Tyson can say it's all nonsense. And the guy that owns Skeptic Magazine, what's his name, Shermer, and they can all make fun of it, but they can tell you it's not real. But I'm I'm here to tell you there's hundreds of thousands of us, if not millions, I suspect millions, that know it is real. And you're making yourselves look like complete idiots by trying to, to dismiss these things. And saying there's no evidence, and in my case, there's not a lot, but there are cases in which there is a lot of, there is absolutely physical evidence. There's trace evidence, uh, even things as odd as I watched a video yesterday about implants. They've been taken out of people. They've been analyzed. They have meteoric components that are impossible. There's no inflammatory response. They have odd property. I mean, this this whole line that, oh, there's no evidence. It's malarkey. It's BS. It's not true. And we yet we have these spokespeople for the scientific community. Like, I'm not picking on Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm sure he seems like a nice man. He's entertaining. He's probably done some good to spread, you know, an interest in science, generally speaking. But where this is concerned, he's, I, the, I don't know what the word is, irrational. Or, I mean, I think he,
0: irrational fits. Yeah, I think that fits. Because... I think there's a fear among people who are part of the scientific establishment. There
1: goes the, there goes the farm. They're supposed to know everything.
0: Yes. Yes. But the whole point of science is we don't know, so we ask questions, and we figure out a way to test what we do know and then expand further.
1: Well, that's what I always thought. I mean, that's thank you. you no, know, you're absolutely right. That's the is
0: way what, science is supposed to work.
1: That's why when I see these people, uh, a person who's good about it is Michio Kaku, who is a yes. theoretical physicist. Uh, I mean, as brilliant as that man is, he's he's got, I mean, he applies some common sense to it. He, he's honest about it. And he knows that obviously... Not everybody, not everybody's lying and that there is physical evidence in some cases. And he'll talk about it rationally. But he's unique in the scientific community. Well, more, more people are coming out and mm-hmm. being willing to embrace it. But you've still got a lot of people uh, that, that you know, poo-poo it. And at this point, it's crazy. It's I mean, you've got the government showing these films to us saying, yeah, this thing has no flight surfaces. It's it's stopping at a dime when it's going three thousand miles. Whatever, it's yeah. going dropping eighty thousand feet in less than a second and stopping at. We don't know what it is. We don't know where it's from. We can't do this. And it's kind of people are just kind of a lot of people's flying. I think there's there's an awful lot of fear and it challenges. Obviously, it challenges everyone's worldview, but particularly people. I'm not picking on religious people but people that have got very hard and fast belief systems that are binary and it's uh, this box and this is good and this is bad and this is exactly how it works yes. and you go to this church and you believe this and you don't step on a crack you break your mother's back and it, it's it, they're kind of at a level of for me superstition.
0: Yes. And,
1: and and they're not amenable to uh, you know to just go hey it's you can still Talk to God through Jesus and and follow His philosophy, which was, if, if you really look at it, was very simple at its core, and just said love each other and forgive each other and and treat your brother in the way that you would want to be treated. And if you, it doesn't mean that there's necessarily no God, I'm not saying that there is a God, but you know, God could be uh, the quantum. You know, I don't know what that is, but, but my point is this, you don't have to walk away from your philosophy or the philosophy of a religious figure, but, you know, it does call into question perhaps, you know, some things about rigid forms of beliefs, religious and otherwise Mm -hmm. scientific, religious, and I hope this made sense. I hope I'm not babbling away here too incoherently.
0: No, I think it makes sense. I, I will say that, uh, the, the disclosure from the United States government you know a lot of people were expecting them to come out with fanfare and go oh there are UFOs and they're from space and we know this and they're not ever going to say that even if they do know that
1: not good because
0: happen. first off they may not be from space you know they may be from someplace even weirder
1: well yeah where they could be uh, on the podcast we did not interrupt please keep your train of thought, but Alex, the young guy, I thought it was good. He, he said there's four possibilities. I thought he did a pretty good job of it. He said they could be from like another dimension or parallel universe or something. Mm-hmm. They could be literally kind of the, kind of the, the old simple they're from another planet. He said they could be from another, uh, he said they could be terrestrial, which is kind of, you know, it sounds mm-hmm. kind of wild. I mean, perhaps they live under the earth. Ur- they live under here under the with ocean, under the ocean or we just, you know, in a sort of a different, um, kind of like we can't see uh what am i trying to say like we can't see certain things without uh certain kinds of glasses what's the word i'm looking for oh
0: your wavelengths
1: yeah yeah like like infrared you know maybe they're in a different wave thing and they're 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 literally from here or he said they could be possibly the u.s military which he and i actually talked about afterwards and we both said well we know that's not true but yeah i don't buy that at all
0: i don't either yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I know that they have used the the idea of UFOs to hide some new propulsion well, systems and things. I mean, but well, but that, that's, that's probably happened, yeah. But the tic tac videos—that's that's
1: not us. Well, here's the thing, too, this, this <laughs> and that's
0: not China either.
1: And the the, the, tri- the triangle that I saw—it's pretty well, pretty well—I'm pretty well convinced because I heard it from two different sets of women. Well, I heard it, you know obviously this thing took these people and I, I don't care what people believe. I'm sorry. I, I, it's pretty clear to me that happened. I listened to Carolyn cry, you know? And so I joined Gaia for a while and quit that. They had a guy in there. I uh, can't think of his name off the top of my head, uh, but he's claims to be a whistleblower for, from the U S government. And God, what is his name? I can't think of it right now. Wears glasses, but and he says some things that are, but 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 he was saying that the, the Emory Smith, an interviewer, asked this guy. He said, uh, "Well, do we do we do we do something along the lines of do we do fake abductions?" And and the guy said something like, "Well, we we did employ you know we do employ let's uh, just say yes I'm still here my video is messing up." Uh, he he said, "Yeah, oh yeah, we we did employ like you know gimps and dwarves that." scare people. He was kind of trying to say that, that when people see these, these odd beings, it's the U S government, you know, it's Mm -hmm. dwarves and gimps, and I don't buy this stuff. And and if you do fine, I, I, I'm not buying that, you know?
0: No, I don't think that's the case.
1: Well, Richard, Richard Doty is his name. Richard.
0: Oh, him. Yeah. Don't Mm. Yeah,
1: I think he's a disinfo agent. I think no, I do mean, no, I absolutely. I hate to say it, and, and I, God, you know, I have to, I try to be so careful because my story is so bizarre. But I think he is. I think I, I get. I really think he is. He said that. He also did a, a like an hour thing on the Men in Black, and said that they're and it, it was titled you know the Real Men in Black, and he and he said that. that that there's a group of U S servicemen that dress up like technicians and repairmen and go to people's houses and, and rifle through their stuff. And, and I'm like, this isn't anything like a men in black story that I've ever heard. I mean, we're not, that's not the stories that people tell. They talk about guys Mm -hmm. in old cars that speak in robotic voices that they go around the corner and the car disappears. And, and he, you know, this guy's not in my book, but what do I, maybe I'm wrong, but.
0: Well, I think that I really think that what we have here is something that is connected to the nature of reality and the nature of consciousness.
1: Absolutely. Neither of
0: which humans know a heck of a lot about. Um and, yeah, I think we know
1: very little, yeah.
0: And I think that in my feeling, it's way more odd and strange than just they're aliens from another planet. If oh, there yeah. are, if they are aliens from another planet, I'll be happy. But I, I want the Vulcans to show up from Star Trek because-
1: Yeah, you know, you know, you know
0: like I they, said- It makes sense. I'm
1: the, I'm the only person you'll ever interview. I promise you. The <laughs> only person who has never seen three minutes of Star Trek or the X-Files. I know nothing. I know live long and prosper because I see people say that. I've never watched Star Trek. I do drywall, plumbing, and and electrical and remodel houses. That's what I've done for the last like maybe fifteen years, twenty years. Uh, I'm not, you know. I think one of the things for me is I really, it really felt like I'm the wrong guy for this. You know, I'm, I'm. I guess why it hit me so hard because, uh, you know, I told you. Probably have to edit this. I've talked so long, but. When I worked as a musician, I worked, and I told you this, I think before, for instance, I worked with a magician who did a quote mind reading act, kind of like Creskin, and it was all fake. And the guy liked reading. Well, well, he had, no, it was, it was crazy what he did. It was a fascinating study in sociology and psychology and how he got these people to play along. And, you know, so I was really skeptical of anything, you know, quote unquote weird. You know, I was like, I was a, I got to see this, and and in the UFO thing, I was like maybe there's something to it. But my thing was I'd have to see it. I would heard accounts. I think I told you too that when I was like 12, I was a really early reader, and I went to the neighbors and read an article about Barney and Betty Hill in Look magazine, and and I remember thinking you know maybe that's possible. I don't they they seem like normal people. I don't know why they make it up. So I wasn't totally. But I was pretty darn skeptical. And then, boom, I got my butt handed to me on a platter, you know?
0: Yeah. And that's, it just happens, you know? I think I was destined to have things happen because mine happened so early. And then.
1: Yeah, you said. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it,
1: it just, it messed
0: me up from the beginning.
1: What I, really, I really love your artwork. I'm not just saying that. I just think it's terrific. And Did you study art or something? Or
0: No, I'm self taught.
1: Wow. That's amazing.
0: Well, thank man, you. I'm serious.
1: You could like, be illustrating books or something, man. That's crazy. You're yeah. very, very, very gifted. Well,
0: thank one. you. Thank you. Yes, I am still. If anybody now. has
1: not seen Barbara's artwork, you need to see her artwork.
0: It's. I I do the cover art a lot, so people have seen some of it at least. It's super. Well, we should probably say goodbye um, because we've been talking for two hours. Has it been that long? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we've been talking
1: for two hours. I got a feeling you're not going to be able to use my little interview thing because it's more like, like, uh, you know, I don't know, war and peace.
0: (laughs) It'll be fine. People will listen. If it's interesting, they'll listen. And uh, I've I've published a few two-hour podcasts. It'll be fine.
1: You know, sincerely, I'm sorry. But when I get started, I I mean, how do I tell this story when it's, so many odd things have happened and make it make sense? It's, it's getting to where I can't even do it because I... How, do you what? tell it
0: in a linear fashion?
1: Or do you tell yeah. it from the beginning? Speaking back of back time and forth? space, and yeah, it's like... Well, Man, it's, that's it's this big time,
0: thing. Is, time is of the essence with your story. It is It is intrinsically tied up with time. And when you tell it, it it's really hard for you to tell it, you know, from beginning to end. Because there's all of these little, yeah. it's like a river. You know how a river, you know, people think it flows from one point to another. But they're always on the edges, these eddies. Yeah. where it goes in a circle for a little while, and then it then it goes and joins the rest of the river. It's like that. It's yeah. like that. It doesn't go straight. Ray Hernandez wanted me to write a chapter for one of his books, so I tried. Wow. But how could I tell? I, I stopped at 60 pages. I was like, okay, I'll write a memoir at some point. But I can't just write a chapter. I I couldn't figure out how to tell it.
1: Right. I, no, no, from I, the I, I, I mean, I have not had. I don't believe the 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 wealth, the vast experience that you have had with this. But even myself, I mean, I know, where I'm like, where would I start? I mean,
0: exactly.
1: And what would exactly. I include? I mean, not a thing. This this is a little thing. I think I may have told you before. This is a dumb thing, right? This is you wouldn't think UFO or alien or, but I. It makes me wonder about, you know, past lives and crap like that. I think I told you when I was a kid, I couldn't ride my bike, and the neighbor kid could. We we were the same age, and my dad had tried to help me ride my bike for, like, a week, and I'd fall. I couldn't go. And Phil Wade across the street, my buddy was real athletic. He could ride his bike. You know, we were both, like, eight, you know. And I'd fall, and, and I couldn't ride it. And one night, I went to bed, and I had this dream, and I was riding my bike. And, I mean, it wasn't just a dream was incredibly vivid, and it was like a lesson. And I got out of bed, and I said to my dad, and I said, hey, I can ride my bike now. And, and he's, he's like, what are you talking about? And and I said, no, I, I learned in my dream. And he was like, you know, thinking my kid's a fruitcake, you know? And I said, no, I really can And And I went outside, I said, watch. And I went outside, got on my bike, and flew down the road. And I'd been literally falling over the previous day. And I mean, he it was a joke in our family for years that Butch learned to ride his bike in a dream, you know. But but it was extremely real. I mean, I couldn't ride it at all. And, uh, and suddenly I had this dream and it was like a like a lesson. It was like uh, I, I got it. It was like it wasn't it was extraordinarily vivid. And and I was like, Oh, this is how you do this. And I got up and I mean literally as I swear on the graves of my forefathers, it happened just like that. I told my dad, I know how to ride my bike now. And and he was like, what do you mean? And I said, I learned in my dream. And he was like, yeah, right. I went out and got on my bike and rode down the street, you know.
0: That, but, they say you never forget.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's, that's Once scary. you know how to drive, yeah, ride yeah, your bike,
0: you don't yeah. forget.
1: So. From one life to the next,
0: apparently.
1: <laughs> I didn't realize the depth of that, that <laughs> meaning there, you know? That's funny. yeah, 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 that, that is, that's a great, great way to, to put a little capstone on that, yeah. what <laughs> do you really never forget.
0: Well, thank anyway. you so much for recording again with me so that we could get all of the threads because you had new ones and they were interesting and I very much appreciate it. Well, that's all for this week's episode of the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you.